Welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. I'm Justin, and slightly different from always, I'm joined by... Fake Beth. <laughs> Sam. And Fake Beth. Perfect. Yes, we are running as a, uh, a podcast trio today. Beth's schedule was uh, not quite permitting to... Uh, work with some of these these interlude episodes. So it is me, Sam, and Caleb. Uh, and we are just going to be chatting about some things that we've had on the mind or that we've been emailed about uh, over the course of Hero of Ages with everything that went into the, the very end of the book uh, and the end of the series. There wasn't quite the space to kind of look back on the the bigger picture things or the things that didn't uh, directly relate to the plot that was happening. Uh, so in the meantime, while we're switching between books, we wanted to uh, do an episode here to uh, give us a chance to, to do those things. Yeah. I mean, the the finale was, what, three hours long. Yes. People got, a, <laughs> people got lives. Yeah, we could have kept going. I wanted to, you know. Oh, yeah. No, that, that could have been a four-hour episode. It just also uh, got edited in a single day and i do not want to edit a longer episode in a single day so yeah no so we're, we're back we, we're gonna have this episode uh like we mentioned in the the hero finale there might be another miscellaneous thing or two before we pick up with elantris uh, but we still have uh thoughts on on mistborn so some of the stuff that we uh are going to talk about in this episode are things that uh, we've been emailed about uh, at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com uh, over the course of the book or the previous books. Uh, some of them are just things that that we uh, came up with, wanted to to bring up. Uh, some of them more serious, some of them less so. So there'll be a, a <laughs> bit of a mixed bag. Um, yeah. But one that I, I wanted to kick off with just as, as kind of a, a recap of sorts uh, was the... Uh, the overall um, kind of prediction accuracy and and uh, style over the course of the trilogy for uh, for you two for Sam and Caleb, uh, noting this was something that that I observed and also some of our our listeners observed uh, was that Sam you had some some quite good hits in uh, Final Empire, and if we were counting podcast points in any sane rational manner uh then i guess that could have been considered a a win in that book uh, and then well and uh hero went uh caleb's way in particular with uh figuring out the the writings being changed in well of ascension uh and then vin's hemologic spike in hero of ages Man, I tell you what, like, reading a book with Caleb is like having the plot of a movie spoiled as you watch it. <laughs> I'm not like... trying to ruin the experience. I'm sorry that it, it I, I, I can do this sometimes. The weird thing is, like, the hemorrhagic spike, I'm fairly proud of, but, like, I, guessing the Sazed thing right off the bat, I'm, I'm far more proud of that one. Um, but uh, I would still say that sam is like a sniper 
and he'll wait for a good shot and mm-hmm. he, he sometimes misses the shot but more often than not he will he'll wait till he like really feels something and then he'll hit it right on the mark i just got a machine gun and so when you examine our the two targets we shot at sure mine has more bullet holes in it but i also have way more misses in total i feel like yeah there's definitely a uh a kind of and and we saw this shift back and forth kind of episode to episode of uh is there are there predictions being made about like specific upcoming potential plot twists or answers to questions that the book is clearly posing or are we predicting more kind of long term i get the feeling that this is going to happen at some point kind of predictions uh, yeah and and those i think um were were some of the the most fun ones for Beth and I uh where for things like um what's happening for example like what's happening with Spook in Hero of Ages why is he seeing these things what's going on there that was a a pretty clear like the the book is posing a question and we're going to get to try to answer it uh but sometimes it would be uh things like uh, I mean the the obvious one was was um the beginning of Hero of Ages, what's going to happen to all of our characters. Also, by the way, Vin's going to die. <laughs> by the way. And she did. And she did. Yeah. Hey, yippee. Oh, so great. I just pictured like, oh, she's she's gone. And then, you know, from uh, it's POV, she just uh, apparates and then tumbles down a pile of ash. Oh, goodbye, Vin. I'm happy that you're dead because I wanted points. I wanted the points. I mean, there's a a, a bit of a, a, a cynical read on it there. Yeah, you, you did get your points with the, the death of our well-liked main character. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I don't know. Just, like, from from a, a perspective of <clears throat> um, not just predictions, but also casting. Um, and I mentioned this a little bit in, in the Discord, um, and now I'll mention it to the audience at large. Um, Caleb and I have very different approaches to predictions and to casting. Uh, Caleb already mentioned it, like the sniper versus machine gun thing, but like just on a, on a sort of fundamental level, I, I cast as if I was in a dream, you know? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas like, you know, uh, Oh, I went to a shop and the, the shopkeep was Tom Waits, you know, like, right. Okay, Tom Waits could be any character. So, a, a, a listener, I, I just, I just want you to know, I'm not paying attention to who I already cast. So, Elantris is probably gonna have some repeats. I'm gonna try to not be like the major ones. Dan Vogelbach's coming back. <laughs> I mean, Tom Waits. Tom Waits is a very good casting, and to waste him on 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 Yeoman's severed head and a spike. Oh, is that? Or, I forgot not, you did. Was it, uh, it was a Yeadon. Yeadon, yeah. Yeadon, the other one. I mean, I Tom Waits could probably make a good club. So that, that, I feel like I could see that. Well, I, I wanted him to be like a mysterious kind of uh, uh, ranger guy. Mm, okay. But we'll, we'll see. There will there will be other ones. He could make like a good Hoyt even, come to think of yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I could see that. I could see that, yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of one of my kind of uh, general hey, what do we want to talk about this episode questions was, um, are there any um, castings that you look back on and you're like, man, I think I really nailed it. I really, I stand by, I would really love to see 
that specific person do that role? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I am. I will fight to the death over uh, Danny Trejo's clubs. Honestly, that's uh, yeah. I I still I still picture Jackie Earl Haley, but you said Danny Trejo. I was like, oh yeah, that would be a good one too. Yeah, I think I think both are are great choices for that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking back over the list now. I'm I'm definitely of the four of us on the cast overall or on the podcast overall. I'm definitely the one who spends the least time watching movies. So a lot of the the casting uh, discussions were me kind of learning on the fly about these people in their roles. Uh, but there were definitely some where uh, a name got mentioned and and I thought, no, that actually works really well. I'll say that my Kelsier casting of, uh, oh, what was this? Anthony Starr. Yeah, Anthony Starr. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'll stick, I, I'm not going to like fight over like, that's better than X persons or whatever. But like, I, that's a strong association in my mind. And I have to admit rather shamefully, uh, Ellen does not, I still don't have a great grasp on who Ellen would be. I, I also, I cast, I think, Asher Angel, and I don't feel particularly strongly about that. I think he would do a good job, but it's not like I was like, oh, he'd be perfect. Um, which is, I think, my example for answering this prompt is um, my casting for Vin was Daphne Keen, and that's one where, like, I've almost shot myself in the foot because I'm at the point where if the casting gets announced and it's not Daphne Keen, yeah. I will be legitimately disappointed. I it, I feel like it needs to either be Daphne Keene or someone I've never heard of. If it's someone I I've heard of who is not Daphne Keene, I'll be like, ah, come on. I think in the the fandom as a whole, uh, it's been kind of this interesting thing where uh, because Vin especially I think does need to be a young actress. Oh yeah, and and not someone who is older who's trying to play younger, uh, and so there's been kind of this rotation of uh, the fandom kind of settles around someone who they think would do a really good job and then as we wait for for movie news people start saying well she might be too old now i don't know and then we'll find someone new and and at this point you're definitely not alone in wanting daphne keen as vin and so it's going to be that that game of can we can we hear some news can we get a movie in progress before that wouldn't make sense anymore yeah, even like three years from now, I'd be like, "All right, it's we're we're getting to be that point where maybe it's going to have to be someone else." Um, but yeah, if this movie starts getting made in the next year or so, I still think she'd be perfect. Yeah, I'm on Team Daphne Keen for sure. Absolutely, with that, with uh, the role of Vin, because um, <laughs> my casting was like, <clears throat> I was kind of age blind just in general. And I think, uh, if I recall correctly, well, Cayman, the actor is already dead. Cameron Mitchell is dead, has been for uh, like eight years now. So can't get him. Just another example of like, uh, Caleb casts like a casting director. He casts like this is actually going to happen, and I cast like it's a dream. He's not the first, and he won't be the last already dead person that I'm casting as something. Well, and, so. and I think there were some there were some roles where we even specified this person at this point in their career. Yeah. You did some time travel and stuff with your casting. I did. I sure did. I'm proud of it. 
I don't care. I'll be a great casting director. I just need a like a Bill and Ted time machine, <laughs> and and I got it. Yeah, as our our read through of of Mistborn continued on, uh, it was as we started the series. There was a lot of of talk about casting as we were meeting all these new characters, and it took some time to get dialed in on on some of them. Uh, like Kelsier in particular, both of you changed your mind on a couple of times, which I don't blame you on. I think I changed mine in the finale episode of Final Empire. Um, uh, yeah, I was definitely going back and forth there. Mm-hmm. As we learn more about the man. Um, and it, I think I'll definitely want to uh, to see going forward through through the Cosmere what we think about uh, how this is gonna how this is gonna end up on screen because I want all of it on screen. Yeah. Um, in the realm of casting, um i i did have a, a prompt related to it um that is uh more of a uh serious subject matter which would be the mm-hmm. casting of Sazed. um yeah. it has been established i believe it's straight from brandon i believe you said um that lance reddick was kind of his his dream of like who he pictured who he kind of thought about um when thinking yeah, about that was role. one where the fandom similarly the fandom had kind of coalesced around uh, Lance Reddick, in particular, for his his voice and his mannerisms as mm-hmm. someone who they thought could really uh, work for Sazed, and that was one where Brandon did say, "Now that everyone has said that to me, I I agree, and I I start seeing it that way." Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so yeah, it is tragically, unfortunately, that's that can no longer happen. Lance Reddick will not be playing Sazed um, due to his uh, passing earlier this year. Um, but I remember, I'm, I'm looking back at the trilogy as a whole, and Sazed is such a rich and enriching character and such a fantastic opportunity for a performer. And we are three white guys, so we're probably not yep. the most qualified people to talk about yep. this. But I do remember when Sazed first gets introduced, and you mentioned Lance Reddick, um, my first thought was, I don't know if I want to see a black performer have to deliver some of those first some of those lines in the first couple scenes says it is in um, because they're kind of uncomfortable. There's a lot of talk of, hello, I'm your servants. I am part of this race and we are all bred to be servants. We're very good at being servants. Um, and I remember legitimately like reading through those chapters. One of my first thoughts was, okay, I don't, I, I'm going to cast someone who's not black in this role because I don't want to force a black performer to right. have to say lines like this. Um so I remember at the time that felt very uncomfortable. Obviously, further into the series, says it very much breaks away from that mindset. And it's kind of hinted that ever since he's been with Kelsier, he's never really been on board with viewing the world in that way. Um, and, you know, like I said, and all the art I've seen also depicts says it as black. Um, if this character is meant to be black, I don't want to, like, take that away, take the opportunity away from a black performer. But I'm curious... You know, in that first book, the racial politics, it would feel for me, I feel like a little weird to have a black actor do some of those lines. And again, not the most qualified person to talk about it, um, but I'm curious how other people feel about it. Yeah, I cottoned on to that pretty, pretty quickly, uh, <clears throat> which is why my initial casting, when Lance Reddick was brought up, I, I pictured Lance Reddick just boom, cotton to it. But uh um Carol Striken 
I picked because I was like, similarly, like I would feel uncomfortable <laughs> with, you know, with just, ugh. <laughs> with just, ugh. Yeah, it's it's something that I've uh, I've read some articles about um, with some recent fantasy writings and then also fantasy adaptations uh, because there's there's a balance you have to strike in terms of real world uh, real world issues and depicting a fantasy world because on the one hand if your fantasy world does not have uh, racial prejudices and things like that uh, people will look at it and and say like there are significant parts of my lived experience that are not being depicted here uh, and and you're like are you ignoring them or are you intentionally disregarding them uh, but also if you if you do have a fantasy world where characters with darker skin are mistreated and subservient you 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 say well why does it have to be like that again why why do we have to take these real world issues and experience them all over again in this fantasy world if we could not so yeah, and e even if you are going to do that how is that not the main issue of the series now like the terrorist right. people are kind of a background um element for a lot of these books um and yeah it would it would feel very weird because the other thing is i've seen some art of tindwill and she's also i believe often depicted as black um so kind of coding the terrorist people as being people of color as a whole yeah that would that would also be uncomfortable and again like i think you could tell a story like that but i would want that to be the main focus of the story and right that would just be a completely different story at that point um so yeah i think my my main thing is again if this is if this is a a, a role that is written to be for a black performer i don't want to like take that opportunity away I would probably, if I was doing the screenplay, do some considerable rewrites to Sazed's first couple of scenes, I think would just be my main approach. And that's also, that's something that Brandon has acknowledged, that as these do get adapted to screen, uh, there will be changes. Uh, some of them larger in terms of moving entire scenes around for, for pacing and whatnot. Uh, and there would also be room for things like... I think just changing some of the language would go a long way. Mm -hmm. I also, I don't want to keep looking too far ahead because when I was going through the, the notes for this episode, I, there were a couple of places where I was thinking about other Cosmere books, Stormlight in particular. Um, but I think it will be interesting for us to contrast Mistborn, which does have a kind of very Western European medieval bent to its its fantasy to some of the other things that Brandon has written, uh, especially later in his career, where in in the Stormlight Archives, the, the planet of Roshar is very much not Earth. And there are um, prejudices and, and discrimination in the world of Roshar, and they are they're on different axes than, than we experience. And there's, there are people who look uh, like it, it, you, you cannot easily put things into a, a kind of one-to-one -one correspondence between the way that people look on Roshar and the way that people look around earth, uh, which 
uh, I think is is a very in- interesting and cool thing to do. Uh, it also may cause us some problems in the casting department, depending on how close we want to get to the the words on the page. But that is that is a problem for another book. All right, interesting. Yeah, that uh, reminds me of the Mistborn Origins video that Brandon just uploaded. Um, because he mentions in it that like he wanted a hallmark of his uh, uh, career to be the unique settings he makes. Um, a Mistborn, very unique. I think he's succeeded in this one so far. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because even though we do have the the kind of foundation of you know, medieval city with lords and and keeps and whatnot, uh, the the landscape that is depicted uh, is up until the very last moments of the trilogy something drastically different. When this podcast was brought up as a as a primary idea, I I scarcely heard of Brandon Sanderson in general. Um, and when you t- told me about like the fantasy, I, I think one of my first questions was like, "Is this like a sword and sorcery fantasy, or is?" Um, and uh, I abhor sword and sorcery fantasy. It's just so like, oh, the the brave knight he, he used the thunderbolt on the dragon. It's like, okay, we've done it a thousand times, but this is not that. It's it's amazing how it's like the same sort of hallmarks of that but then completely subverting them into something completely unique um and brandon does a great job at that just in general so far and i'm excited to see what what what's next i guess what's next as we go backwards in his career yeah. <laughs> that's true what's left what's previous i was i was i don't know a ton about the cosmere i I do think there's a little bit of closer to what what we would consider traditional fantasy, but again, I don't know a ton, um, and I, I I know people really like his his other books as well. So I, I am also very excited, but I'm curious if we might swing a little bit closer to what you were worried about, Sam. Um, but given how this series has gone, I imagine it's still going to be an enjoyable read. And I, for one, I dig standard fantasy as well, so. I'm excited. Uh, well, and that's going to be, I think, one of the the interesting things about doing... Uh, the, the timeline is kind of interesting here with when Brandon was writing versus how um, popular media trends have changed uh, because in between the, the publication of the first Cosmere books and today when we're talking quite seriously about the possibility of adaptations... Uh, there is a very large Marvel-shaped specter looming over any talk of of shared cinematic universes, and I think it's it's cool. It, it was it was something that was very cool and original to me at the time that you could have stories that were uh, fundamentally different in a lot of ways of of different tones and and moods and genres that still did start connecting together uh, and now you know we we've seen that succeed on the big screen in a big way where the the MCU has gone from there there are movies that lean harder into the comedy there are movies that lean more into the the science or less into the science uh, they've gone back and forth between film and TV. 
And so now it now that's something that I think people are uh, more interested in overall. And I think that also it makes it even wilder that this has not been adapted yet because you mentioned there's been one very successful um, cinematic universe. There have also been quite a few failures over the past oh, yeah. decade. Um, and it is always because people try to jump the gun too soon. They try to get straight to that Avengers uh, moment um, of, you know, the camera circling around all of our heroes at once. And it's fascinating that we have this very well-regarded, pretty dang popular universe that's already written out. And it's like, look, we've got the template. It's all set in place. We know it works. We know we're going to have an established fan base. And I don't know, it's just very surprising to me that um, adaptations have taken so long to get off the ground for this because it feels like the studios would eat this up. Right. I think they're, you know, like to Justin's point, I think they're afraid of... Um, it, there's always the Marvel shadow when you're trying to establish a, a universe. Do you guys remember when um, when Universal tried to do the dark universe with like the mummy? It sure was one of the ones I was referring to with those failures, oh yeah. They cast oh. their entire uh, uh, universe Avengers group and they only made the one movie, I think, maybe two that I'm forgetting about. But yeah, they made the mummy and then it just did not get off the ground even though they already cast like Javier Bardem and Johnny Depp and a bunch of these other famous people. Did photo ops and everything. Yeah. Like, uh, and, and for like DC, which is the other kind of thing you were probably alluding to, um, in a properly timed cinematic universe, and maybe this is a little too long, I don't know, but like Justice League should be coming out around now instead mm. of when it came out. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I, I think, I think they've, DC has been, well, it's Warner Brothers, so I don't want to say they're financially doing great, but, you know, those movies still make a good amount of money, but in terms of, like, getting people invested and, and being like, oh, yeah, every single one of these are need to see, um, yeah, I agree, like I said, yeah, I, they jumped the gun a little too early because they were just so excited to get everything all together, and it just came across pretty messy, um, Whereas I feel like as long as, for Cosmere, as long as the studio is respectful of, like, why these stories are mostly separate and it's only until later on that they start really connecting in big ways, um, which that might be the big sell that you, you kind of have to get them on board with of, like, people are going to get excited that they're interconnected, but that's not the main point. The main point is to focus on each story individually, um, at least to start with. Um, so maybe it's tricky to get producers on board with that idea, but... And I wonder, I wonder if there's an advantage there to starting with a trilogy, um, mm. because I I think, and a good portion of this is probably because of J.R.R. Tolkien, the trilogy kind of is fantasy in a lot of ways, uh, and and so being able to to pitch starting off with a a single first movie that will get people's attention with Final Empire and then a natural plan for movies two and three. But no further than that, you don't need to start introducing any shared universe yet. Uh, I think that, to me, that sounds like a, a good way to do it and a good way to sell it. I agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. So in conclusion, uh, us three white guys do not know what to do 
about the the larger question of race and fantasy depiction, but we have a few ideas. Yeah, that's a fair fair conclusion. And also, we just want to see these movies, guys. We yes, we, it's just really be fun to see movies. It would, it would. I am remembering. Um, I don't know if I've told this uh, anecdote on this podcast, but uh, one of Brandon's podcasts, uh, Writing Excuses, which he he has actually just this year has retired from being in uh, as part of the main hosting because he's too busy. Um, but it was uh, it was him and uh, originally two other uh, hosts talking about writing. Uh, and like as an actual like discussion of the craft podcast, uh, it started out as him, Dan Wells, who we've mentioned, and Howard Taylor, uh, who is the author and artist of the webcomic Schlock Mercenary. Uh, and at some point they realized that they needed to, they had guest hosts quite frequently, but they, they said they needed to take on a, f- a full-time fourth host, uh, partially because... Uh, the the initial breakdown of the podcast was uh, three white male Mormons who lived in the same city, which does not exactly uh, cover your bases too far for diversity of viewpoints. We miss you, Beth. We yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's actually, I, I think that's a really, it's, it is, I think, very good to know when, and good to acknowledge when you, your, your viewpoint is not going to be the full spectrum of human experience. And you go into kind of a, a thoughtful conversation with that in mind. Um, it, you know, by its very nature, it means you are, you are kind of limited in, in how far you can, um, think about certain issues but you know being conscious of that i think is yeah that's that's a very important part of of being uh being in a situation like this i think mm-hmm. <laughs> and just to be clear uh beth is no diversity hire no yeah <laughs> beth, beth knows her stuff like she's she's an she is like the 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 she's a integral part of this i believe this was like a joint idea between her and justin yes um then again we're all i think cubs fans so that's true we all have that in common yeah so that's what we need to expand our bases on yeah we've all we are also uh, all white beth is like also like this was this was originally a conversation about race so to say that like oh beth solves that's like no it's not it's to clarify that's not what i'm saying yeah but what do the listeners want to know? What the listeners did want to know, actually, is uh, that one reference that we uh, made <laughs> and then said, email us if you don't get it, uh, which I am just going to explain now because it means I get to plug a thing that I like. Uh, go, if you can, go watch the play, but that's probably a little unlikely, or go watch the movie of the play, which is not, which is actually pretty good, of the show Noises Off. Uh, if you have any experience in the the world of theater or live events, it will be even funnier. Uh, and we were talking, I believe, about doors and sardines. Yes, I made another reference to that, by the way, in in the new Brandon video because he mentions like the the elements that came together for Mistborn were mist, ash, failed hero, stained glass, doors, sardines. 
that's farce that's theater that's life that's mistborn baby yeah and i don't know you know i i you know it's good we explain that for the viewers uh i, I think that email might have come from an address that was like caleb at podcast.com don't worry about that that's not important <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that our viewers are really engaging with the podcast now i want to know how much podcast.com costs <laughs> it's prime real estate oh. Uh, a lot because it's owned by Amazon and redirects to Audible. Ah, uh, wow. Okay. How much to yank them off it? Yeah, I do not want to enter a bidding war with Amazon. No, thank you. <laughs> no. Uh, another thing that we were looking at, uh, starting actually at the very beginning of Hero of Ages and then going throughout most of the book. And, and this will lead into some of our other larger questions. Uh, but looking at the way that uh, once we got to Hero of Ages, we actually zoomed out a fair bit and we saw more of more of Skadriel, more of the former Final Empire. Uh, and with that, we saw we saw Elend in his role as the the Emperor. Uh, going around and, and interacting with the different uh, the different places in very different ways. Uh, we had uh, Erto, where he actually just sent a delegation, so we didn't see him directly. Uh, but contrasting the kind of very showy, very direct uh, Elend that we saw in the first couple of chapters, uh, keeping in mind that some of this, I think, was a... Um, influenced by the fact that this was the beginning of a book and you need to get people excited and all that uh compared to the the ellen that attempted to uh negotiate extensively with fadrex uh and just looking at like how he interacted with uh the people of fadrex who were by and large kind of still part of the old final empire uh versus the the people in the kind of rest of the the world uh, yeah, you mentioned that that scene was meant to get us excited, and I think Sam and I both share the thing of, no, this isn't exciting. This is Ellen being a jerk. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I think the there was a there needed to be a, a kind of more uh, fast paced scene getting us into like getting us into a fight right away. But yeah, the the read that I think was not uncommon. Uh, when we started the book was i don't know if i like this elland because <laughs> brandon recast him maybe that's why i have such trouble p picking an elland and sticking with it is because now he's got a beard he's an asshole <laughs> like i get it i get why you would be an asshole in arm in in the end of days it, it's sometimes you got to be an asshole but like he, but he was an asshole he he was uh, and I think actually we probably should just, just broach the bigger topic, uh, which was something that I think Caleb, you brought up very early on. And it's something that, uh, a couple of people emails emailed us about, uh, is, I don't know if, if Mistborn is particularly meant to have a, a message per se, uh, but everything does have a message, whether it was meant to or not. And looking at what Mistborn has to say about leadership, uh, in particular with Elend in Hero of Ages, uh, and also the the kind of retrospective look at Rashek. 
because there's definitely I, I think if if you take what the characters in the book are saying at face value, there's there's some really uh, unpleasant uh, implications about leadership and power there. The, the the authoritarian bent is, to use a five dollar word, propagandistic at times. Like it's it 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 almost reminded me of like the line the the witch in the wardrobe where like, you know, Aslan is Jesus, pretty much. I don't know. I don't I I don't love the message of it's okay to be an authoritarian in times of strife. I've ranted ad nauseum about the ChristianAnswers.net messages. So you already kind of know there's a lot of twisted wires here, but maybe the point of the books of the series is that there doesn't always need to be like a, a message, like some, you know, this isn't earth. Uh, we don't have to land on the same conclusions as um, sapient beings, I guess, sentient people, but it's weird. <laughs> it's weird that this is the conclusion that we've reached is authoritarianism is okay yeah i'm i'm in kind of a similar boat and i agree about the like um you know kind of different values aspect of it one of the few things i did like about the game of thrones finale is that they're all just trying to figure out who should win the game of the thrones and a character goes what if we tried democracy and he gets like laughed out of the room and i appreciate that the story did not just go Oh yeah, let's just go 100% idealistic at the very end. We will just transplant our modern American values on this medieval setting and it's going to work out perfectly. Like I I appreciate acknowledging that in a completely different setting with a completely different world, what we see as the best most optimal system of government is not necessarily going to be best for them. So you know, I kind of appreciated in Well of Ascension when Ellen was like, I'm going to do democracy, democracy is going to be great. Why Why is this not working? Why the fuck are people bad at democracy here? Um, I, I liked that subtlety. Um, but yeah, then the takeaway is kind of, well, then I'll just be an authoritarian. And the book's like, that was the right call um, for the most part. And I don't know, I kind of got on board with Ellen's arc, but... Yeah, specifically the Rorschach, like, retroactive apologism really did not sit well with me. I mean, Sam brought it up a couple times. The Blood Fountains, guys. Really, that's not... We can't just keep saying he got carried away. Yeah. There were Blood Fountains. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it feels weird. Another aspect of it is, like, throughout this trilogy, a lot of characters... Vin goes through it in every single book, says it has it in Hero of Ages... Ellen has it well of ascension. They all have, here's what I'm struggling with and here's where my self-doubts lie. And then towards the end of the book, they have the Eureka chapter of like, okay, I have come to terms with this. I feel good about doing this now. This feels right. And Ellen does reflect on being an authoritarian a couple of times in Hero of Ages. But to my memory, we never really get that Eureka moment, that kind of storyline it, we sort of get a climax of he decides not to attack Fedrick City, but we never really get the moment where he like fully gets set in place of like, yes, this is good. Here's the line I'm not going to cross, but I feel okay where I'm at currently. That whole thought process from Ellen's point of view, we just kind of stopped checking in on that at some point. And that also felt a little bit weird to me. And the not attacking Fedrick's... Um... 
like, I know that there's other things that he was considering, and he wasn't sure if he was going to do it in the first place, but the fact that the, the linchpin to it was just Ham coming to a conclusion about something made it almost comedic. And that was... Like, there was a, an opportunity for him to have, like, a legitimate Eureka... Like you said, Eureka moment here. Um, and, and obviously he was on the fence already, because if, if, you know, uh, uh, a, a straw that small can tip him... I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Oh, uh, I wanted to, to mention, left hanging here is uh, what government forms out of the weird Eden hunter-gatherer society that Sazed left people in. That's true, and it's like all of humanity all in one place now, so it's not even... At, to start out with, it's not like you can go trade with other cities or anything. It's like, oh yeah, we are all just here now. Right. And yeah. we will get... Well, we'll get an answer to what that government becomes uh, when we return to, to Skadriel when we get to Mistborn Era 2. Uh, and I, I don't want to dig into that too far yet. And I think it would be interesting to ask Brandon, like, how they got from point A to point B. But I think that the... Uh, I think that because of what the books choose to focus on each time, uh, I, I do think we will get some more look at trying to build a quote-unquote better government without the answer to better just being you know more like america or more mm -hmm. like a a modern uh kind of example democracy so yeah it, it's something that we will get back to but we there's 300 years in between so it would be very interesting to see how that initially happened also to to circle back to a point i made um like in the last episode as a comedy punch. Um, but I want to elaborate a little bit more on it. Um, ethical imperialism. The, the example that I gave that is given in classes is um, like not allowing people to make money by digging through trash for valuables in foreign countries. Um, it's, and, and in the classes they kind of go over like additional information on it. Like, the reason why it's bad is because there's no other economy there, pretty much. There's a trash pile, there's some valuable things in it, you, th there's no other way to make money. If you ban it, then the people just starve to death. <laughs> like, it's a fucked up world. Um, but sometimes you gotta let the world be fucked up. <laughs> so maybe that's my point here. Sometimes you just gotta let Skadriel be Skadriel. <laughs> Uh, and let's schedule be schedule. I think specifically is an interesting thought process of, I believe it's fairly early on in the book. Ellen says like, Oh yeah. Once the threat is defeated, I'll stop being an emperor. I'll go back to, to the whole to, like Republic democracy thing I had going. And I made the point back then. I think it kind of ties a little bit into your point, Sam of like, you can't just be an authoritarian when it's, when you decide that it's good and then give up the power when you don't feel like you need it anymore because you can just take the power right back. And if that's the case, then it's not a, it's just a democracy with your permission and you're still basically an authoritarian. Um, and yeah, just the, the weirdness of like, I know it's best for the people. So should I just decide to do that without their consent? 
it's yeah it's 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 weird it's weird i don't know it's weird uh, while we've been talking about this i've been looking through some of uh brandon's other q a's to see what what else he has said about um about rashik in particular um talking about the kind of lord ruler apologetic that we got but then just about the the leadership in mistborn in general uh and i i do see a, a kind of interesting note here uh where somebody asked uh what would have happened if Kelsio's rebellion hadn't succeeded and the Lord Ruler had still been around when the Well of Ascension returned to its power and he could go take it up again. Uh, and Brandon's answer was he probably wouldn't have fixed everything like Sazed did uh, because he likes the way it is now. Because he is, like in many ways, a bad person. And he likes being the immortal emperor in charge of the whole planet. And so he, Brendan mentions a couple things that he might have have tweaked to kind of get the planet a little more back on track. But I think that's a, a, a mark in the column of, no, even a thousand years later, the Lord Ruler was still not a capital G good person by any stretch. Yeah, and then the Hero of Ages brings up a couple of times of like, yeah, he started off with really good intentions, but then Ruin's influence made him evil. And I don't know, it's, I, it was really f cool to see like Marsh's whole deal in Hero of Ages. I think you can tell like a focus story on that sort of thing um, and Vin with the earring and all that. But when you kind of zoom out like that and go, oh, well, everyone was just under, like everyone who was evil was evil evil except for strap venture who is just the fucking worst um like this idea that almost everyone who is evil is evil because of ruin i feel like is kind of a simplistic way of having what would otherwise be an interesting villain um so i was a little bit frustrated by the explanation of like oh yeah he was trying his best but ruin just kept pushing him um so I, I guess the, the kind of takeaway of like, no, he would still be in charge even if he had the chance to use the godlike powers again. Um, yeah, that, that, that feels pretty villainous to me whether or not Ruin was involved. Um, so, yeah. I don't, it's, that, that is interesting to hear. And again, I just, I felt, I felt weird about how the characters were so on board with I guess Rashak wasn't that bad because he was pretty bad, guys. Oh god, I have a great uh, transition to an ambush question I came up with. Okay, hit us with uh, this. Alright, so a common refrain, uh, at least between Justin and I, uh, has been, what a fucker. Mm -hmm. Right? So, uh, here's my question. In the trilogy, who is the biggest fucker? And I'm gonna, I wanna do like a count of three thing. Oh boy. Alright, so after, I, after three. Ready? One... Two, three, fire on par. <laughs> I'm standing wait, wait, by no. it. Wait, sorry. We all got that wrong. <laughs> One, two, three, Zane. Violin. Oh, yeah, but here's the thing. I wrote specifically about the Zane was a fucker thing. Um, he, You kind of, well, I don't know. I don't know how we, how we continue this bit. I have notes. It, see, in my opinion... The 
the requirement for us to to deem a character to be a fucker is that they don't is that they they do bad things for usually selfish reasons and they don't have a lot of depth beyond that that's fair and and again going back to the conversation of how much was ruin involved i think that's the one i don't want to say redeeming but that's the one thing about zane of like okay i can't really blame you for that that's that was not in your hands yes zane at Um, least had a lot going on yes i i will say phylon was my my second pick (laughs) because <laughs> he's he just he fucked shit up for no reason and clearly he was sane he wasn't spiked or anything but like why did he whip for set who wanted to resubjugate all the ska why did he vote for penrod after the attack penrod led on the assembly i'm not think, correcting myself <laughs> i i think we've got three good options here i would still stand by straff because i don't again i don't think there was much ruin influence there um I, I actually really enjoyed him as a villain, but he was a pretty one-dimensional villain. He was just kind of evil and an asshole, and that's what the character was. Uh, I, uh, it's just... It... Violent. I hate him. I know. He was important, and he liked being important, and that's why he did... He just wanted to be important. He wanted people to talk about him. He wanted to be cool. But he didn't want to be cool. He just wanted people to know his name. Like, fuck you, Phylon. <laughs> it's just pointless, too. Like, Kanpar, like, he just wanted he wanted to be powerful, and he wanted uh, uh, Kondra to, to be more powerful in the world. But Phylon just wanted to fuck shit up for, for Ellen for no reason. Like, he's like the Kirsten Cinema of the Mistborn trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like I don't care. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the podium and put a thumbs down with my really sassy pose. Oh my god! Um, that does actually remind me of a thing. Here's why I wouldn't, despite all of my yelling at him, why I probably wouldn't pick Conpar. I briefly brought this up, but if it weren't the end of the world and this were almost any other story, I'd kind of be on Conpar's side of hey, maybe we should stop being servants of humanity. Like the sure on a surface level i very much understand his motivations it's just absolutely bad time buddy right um which is the worst time yes here take this take this uh uh sack of gold bullion (laughs) go go buy weapons from just random people shit satan stole my gold bullions oh no it sounds like a YouTuber prank. Like a good YouTuber prank would be like, go to a shop with like, you know, uh, an appropriate amount of gold and just say, hey, I want to buy this six pack. Here's a try to a buy gold. a hamburger with a, an actual nugget of gold, like a tiny ingot. Technically, it has value. Well, if we've moved into ambush questions, I've got another Ooh. one. Okay. Um, and this is mostly directed at justin it's not even really a question it's more of just a discussion topic but we've had our arguments over the years year year it's not been years over the it's almost been a year over the year um of you know how much do we like ellen is ellen a good romantic partner is he a good leader we've had arguments about um you know rashek and about zane and about all of these different things and I think what has been most fascinating through all this is 
I think Sam and I have gone back and forth every once in a while, but I believe Sam and I are on one side and Justin and Beth on the other of the silent, unacknowledged war that has broken out on how to pronounce the ninth medal. Um, <laughs> because I believe, the, I'm assuming this is the audiobook pronunciation. Uh, Justin, you always go with Atium, I believe. Yes. Yes. And I just kind of decided, no, I'm going to call it Adium. I just, I would prefer it if it was Adium. And we've just never mentioned the fact that we pronounce those two things differently. But it's <laughs> hilarious to me that we are like very much opposed in that. I'm fi- I, I'm also very careful when I say a- Atium. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I pronounce more clearly. I stop myself mid-sentence <laughs> to say Atium. So I will say uh, a couple of things because I know we've we've talked about pronunciation and whatnot. Um, Brandon's attitude is is generally speaking that he he doesn't place a huge emphasis on the canonical correct pronunciation, but generally will defer to the audiobook pronunciations or he will have told the narrators when he does have a, an opinion. Uh, and so ATM is how it's, it's pronounced in the audiobooks. Um, there is an in universe reason for how the metal is named. Uh, and we will touch on that later. Although I suppose that you could have it be ATM or ATM as well. Yeah, that's, I say it ATM because it's in the audiobooks, but also in world there is there is a reason it's named what it is. Interesting. My my main thing, and in the second two books, this is less notable. But in the first book, uh, you know, we know that it has superpowers, but the main like use of a plot device of this big metal is that it's incredibly valuable, and we are trying to steal it. It's a lot of money. It's basically a lot of money. I see where and you're going with this. No, I didn't want to just call it an ATM. I really, I was <laughs> that really bothered me the idea that it sounds like ATM. I do not know if that had any influence on the name. I would hope I, not. I bet it didn't. It's not that I'm like I'm worried that that was intentional. I just my brain was like I don't want to call the plot device that's a lot of money an ATM. I don't want to say that. And I also personally just think Adium sounds kind of cooler. Uh, so I just kind of, I, I default to that because I just kind of prefer it. I don't have a strong reason why aside from that. It is kind of funny having said all that about pronunciation uh, is that we are going to, we're going into Elantris, uh, which is a book where uh, Brandon had made up some kind of general rules and structure on how names in particular would be pronounced. Uh, and I think it's the one that the fandom most ignores uh, <laughs> because they they just end up sounding weird. So I'll, I'll mention that when we start getting some characters, um, but I will definitely be using the, the more common pronunciations rather than the, the ones that Brandon says are technically correct. And I will probably continue to just go with whichever pronunciation sounds cooler to me. That's fair. So I have the I have the last one then the last thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, my blunt then, yeah, rotation let's, let's question. Go to Sam for our last thing. Yeah. So uh, you know it's it's a meme now to think about blunt rotation. 
you know, like what person would you most and least like to to pass around a joint with? <clears throat> um, I don't partake. It is legal in my state, uh, thanks to a great ballot question that kicked ass. So, way to go, Michigan. But uh, yeah, uh, I have a dream blunt rotation and a nightmare bl blunt rotation given here. Five characters each, um, and I'm just at you know just lay it out starting with a dream uh i i posed this question a while ago i don't know if you guys took it seriously which is fine if you didn't i came up with an answer i don't know how serious y'all will think that is but i did i did sit down and, and come up with a, a list i i have a i'll be honest i was not aware of this meme until you brought it up to me um so like i have thought about it I don't have a definitive answer. I will come up with it on the spot. I have a couple of... I, I don't have all five for each one filled, but I've got some ideas. Okay. So I'll just... I'll just kick it off to get give an idea here with the dream blunt rotation. Uh, honorable mention goes to uh, the person we saw smoking, old Slow Swift. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to get in trouble with the Tolkien estate, though. So... <laughs> I don't know. Um, if he would... Pass the blunt with me. All right, so I've got the five here. Uh, number one, this is probably on everybody's list like, across the whole world. Ham. Hey. Yes. Yes. His, his questions are best asked when high, and most of them are, are much more insightful when you're blazing, and also stoner philosophy rarely comes to a conclusion. So ham who also rarely comes to a conclusion. Um, two and three... I, I like them as answers. Uh, I, I There's a dynamic here that might be problematic, but I'll just tell what they are. Uh, number two is Alrianne. Uh She's a writer. She likes to party. Uh, and I'd really kind of like to dig a, a convo with her in this sort of social situation. I think it'd be interesting. Um, the, the problem arises when I say my number three, which is set. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Here's here's the thing. I have literally watched um, a, a friend of mine uh, smoke a, a bowl with her her grandfather. So maybe it's not weird. I don't know for a, a dad and a daughter to share a blunt. But uh, sets the right kind of laid back, and he seems kind of insightful, and that you know maybe he could open up a little bit more. Some uh, marijuana lubrication of social gears. I don't know. Next up, I've got Ten Soon. That would uh, be an interesting He's one. full of old wisdom, little uptight, uh, and maybe marijuana is like soothing, but without allomancy. Ten Soon does get the, the badge, I believe, of um, immortal character who is actually on our side. So definitely some, some interesting... Uh, interesting things to hear about there from the the ages of the Final Empire past. Well, it's interesting. He's not on our side for the majority of his life. True. He's he kind of hates humanity until he meets Vin. Um, so I I am assuming for this we are allowed to pick like a point in time with a character and be like, yeah, I want that iteration of Tensoon. Um, but it is curious that, like, depending on when you do it, it might be a very uncomfortable conversation. That's true. Right. 
But uh, you know who wouldn't change over the point is uh, my fifth person, who is Teldon. Uh, he's just a, a chilled out dude, even though he did drug Vin. Uh, so it's awkward. But uh, Vin knew that he was drugging her, so maybe that changes things. Uh, and he was also the fun and interesting part of Ellen's chat group, who didn't go bald and lose his marbles. So I could have used more Teldon. I did love the scene where he just he comes down, he sits down. It's like, all right, you're gonna have to drink that wine, otherwise this is gonna be rough for both of us. And I yeah. kind of wish we saw him again at some point after that, because that was a fun scene. Yeah, I don't know how much of this was, uh, and I'd like to know how much of this was, like his ability to accurately read the situation or how much of it had he just been kind of informed and impressed upon by yeoman of the fact that he he did just sit down across from vin and say this is where we are i'm not going to beat around the bush here this is uh, there are only a few ways it's going to end and you get to pick so let's see what happens i'm gonna flare pewter and uh derail him in it which almost worked and then didn't. <laughs> worked for five seconds. So that's my dream. Do you want to go into Nightmare or shall we all do Dream first? Let's let's start with the the uh, the plus side. All right. Uh, so I had... The, I actually only had one uh, duplicate on my list, uh, which was Ham. Oh. Yeah. yeah, of course. Um, I, I think this... This might be borderline on which of the two lists it should be on, but I did want to put Breeze in there as well. <laughs> um, yeah. I thought about it. I thought about it. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I did put Breeze on there because he does interplay with Ham so well and with everyone so well. He does. The reason he's not on my list is I feel like cross-faded Breeze specifically would be insufferable. <laughs> I mean, Breeze is already like 75 percent insufferable uh, yeah exactly so um i also had uh elland uh particularly early elland uh before the weight of empire got involved oh yeah uh just because i i want to see him kind of like spin himself up academically and and just start like what have you been reading about and and learning and all that because i i think he would be uh, all too willing to share um and then uh i actually only had uh four on my list uh because the the last one uh and i'm going to spoil myself on this uh kelsier is on both of my lists <laughs> i uh, he's not on either of my lists because i knew he was a wild card <laughs> oh yeah i i skipped him maybe i shouldn't have but yeah, in in this group, he is uh, he's on the 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 fun rotation uh, because I think he would uh, he would be enjoying the atmosphere. My my one worry is if a conversation takes a certain turn, he would just take over the conversation and just dominate it, and it wouldn't be he would kind of kill the vibe a little bit. But I feel like depending on where the conversation goes, he could be really fun. That is very true and is actually something that Brandon has has stated in a like in his dream it, blunt rotation. I I doubt we're gonna get Brandon's opinion on that, to be honest. Um <laughs> But uh in in the kind in the way that authors will sometimes talk about characters having 
agency of their own beyond the fact that they're being written by the author themselves. Uh, Brandon has talked about Kelsier's tendency to upstage and insert himself uh, beyond what might be reasonable. To the point of, like, thinking about... like People will ask, like, you know, what would happen in this other book if if Kelsier was the hero instead of whoever the hero is? Or if Kelsier was a mentor figure or or there? And Brandon's answer has been... Kelsier would end up kind of taking over the plot. So I, I think that that's a reasonable out. concern. Yeah, so that was uh, that was my four picks there. All right. Um, yeah, I can go into mine. Um, like, I have two honorable, well, three honorable mentions, because there's one I was also waffling on a lot. Kelsier was one, for the reasons I already said. He's a little too much of a wild card, but I do think in certain situations it could be really fun. Um, I have an honorable mention to Tindwell, because I think if we could get her to loosen up, I would love to have a chat with her. Um, okay. So I think Tindwell could be fun, um, but it's just a little too uh, tight knit to be like part of the dream. Um, and then I was also really considering Tensu, and he was definitely on my list of, of considerations. Um, but I have a final five that I, I, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna stick with. Number one, obviously, Ham. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Ham. I thought about well, you gotta have Ham and Breeze together, but again, I, I don't. I think in in this in the vibe, Breeze would not fit the vibe. Um, number two on my list is Yeoman. I just want to chat more with Yeoman. I want to see what's going on in Yeoman's brain. I I, I love this weird little guy. Um, so I, I think you would have a lot of fun. I think Yeoman and Ham conversations could get really interesting because Yeoman is all about like. I've got the answer. I have the answer for that. I know the answer to that. And Ham's like, ah, but is that really how you think? Is that really how the world works? Um, I think that could be a lot of fun. And I appreciate that, like, Yeoman appears to love having debates, but mm -hmm. he, he never, like... He gets frustrated with Ellen because Ellen has an army on his doorstep, but it seems like the act of debating is something he actually enjoys. Um and having those kinds of thought processes and conversations and exchange of ideas, he seems to really enjoy that. Um, so Yeoman is, a, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that pick. Um, also in terms of just, I want to talk to this person after they've had a chance to unwind. I've got Seized on my list. I think it would be fun to, to see what what uh, what passing a, a blunt to Seized would look like and where those conversations go. I think if the stakes are low, Seized and Ham could have some really fun conversations. Um, so I think that would be a fun dynamic. Um, last two are also kind of wild cards. Um, Lady Cliss, I just want to, I just want to get all the gossip I can get. I just want to know what's going on in her head, what she's <laughs> dealing with. I'd love some more Lady Cliss content. Um, and then last one, I don't, I don't actually know a lot about this character. He has been mentioned in a, he, he's been discussed by Justin and Beth in a similar manner to Hoyd, so I'm curious. Oh, are we um, getting felt? I, I have felt on my list. Hoyd Ooh. is a little too... I don't... I He gives me too weird of vibes. I don't actually want to spend too much time with Hoyd right now, but felt, I feel like I would be interested to to pick his brain a little bit more as we're all sitting around chilling. Um, see, see what's the deal with felt. What's going on, man? Yeah. And he seems chill. He seems pretty chill. I like that. Yeah, I also want to know more about felt sitting here having read everything oh goody is the wait is this it or is he 
Uh, no, he. That's the thing is that he he shows up in other books. He he is a, also as a normie, kind of like Hoyt. Uh, okay. okay. Although Hoyt, I don't know. I don't think Hoyt stays a normie from what I've heard. No. But... Well, we'll see. Shall we move on to the nightmare mode? We shall. Yeah, what's this what's is probably the... going to be simpler in terms of why this would be bad, and then we can just move forward. But yeah, yeah. Um, so for me, um, honorable mention is a good time for me to explain a, a fundamental tenet that should be present here. Uh, my honorable mentions are Straff, Ruin, Yeoman, and Marsh, uh, because uh, uh, like my one rule here. I don't think any of them would take the blunt. So it's kind of moot to consider them. Like, Straff is just too much of a dick to accept it possibly. Ruin is a... a well, okay, Ruin... I'm not going to say, like, he's an ethereal being, so he can't take it, because he, he does turn into a human when he dies. A red-haired human. Um. Uh, Yeoman's too tight-knit, and Marsh is, like, an evil being. I don't know. I thought about putting Marsh in my. I thought about putting early Marsh in my dream rotation. I think yeah. Final Empire Marsh could could be interesting. Yeah, Final um, Final Empire Marsh, but like Hero of Ages he's Marsh just a is little, like a little too grumpy, which is why I didn't put him. A little too far gone. Um, I, if I can counter that, I feel like you could get Yeoman to take it if you could convince him. Hey, the Lord Ruler's chill with this. He'd be okay with this. You're off duty. If the Lord <laughs> Ruler is perfectly fine with this, if Lord you have Ruler to cite has a text. Has legal yeah. If you can cite a text um, saying Lord Ruler has legalized weed, you would be like, "All right, I'll try it." And Straff Venture is actively addicted to multiple drugs. Oh, you're like right. He would. Yeah, he, he would, is. He's probably Damn. doing weed regularly and just doesn't even realize that it's part of the rotation because he's just he's wolfing down anything he gets hands on. Oh, that is true. I how did I forget about that? All right, so Straff Straff is possible. Then I'm put put Straff can be put back on the board, um, and Yeoman too. You, you know that makes sense, but uh, they weren't on my list, so there you go. Uh, so here's my five. Uh, the first one is just a physics inclusion. Uh, my my first one is human, because his lungs are too big. You'd need so much. It, like if with like a regular blunt it'd be like andre the giant in the beer can <laughs> you know like one puff and it's gone <laughs> like it, so uh i don't know he's also not the best conversationalist i feel like vin got him at like to reach his zenith of philosophy um and he was like that he answered questions and then he something something he's gone <laughs> I don't know. I feel bad for human. He could have been. He could have done cooler things than just show up. Oh, the Atium's gone. Bye. Uh, number two is Zane. I don't even need to explain why. <laughs> uh, I mean, his edgy conversation would just get edgier. I don't want to be a part of that. No. No. Oh. Um. Number three, I'm gonna put. Uh. Hero of Ages Spook. Um, he's too twitchy for this kind of thing. He can kind of get a big head. Um, I can see him as the kind of guy who would jokingly ask if he should jump off the roof and would become convinced that everybody was on board with it. Like, no, Spook, don't don't jump off the roof. Get off the ladder, Spook. <laughs> <laughs> like, you'd have to spend half your time, like, talking him down from doing something crazy. So, 
Uh, Spook, number three. Number four, I've got Demo. Uh, he just feels like the kind of guy who would wig out. Um, also, Uptight Religion and Weed don't really mix well. Um, just in general, from what I've <laughs> heard tell. Uh, for what from being raised in a in the town with the most churches per capita of the entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number five, uh, a little twist that you know this is this is the one that like this is the reason why I came up with this question in the first place because I feel like I'm gonna get a lot of flack for it. Number five for me for the nightmare blunt rotation is Ellen. Um, because Ellen is a narc. <laughs> <laughs> he's an old fo- <laughs> he's an old follower of the boomer evolution. He started out super liberal, but then drifted conservative and gained experience and became more conservative. And he, and yeah, like he's not twenty one anymore. He's now like twenty whatever, and he's just an authoritarian like weirdo. He'd like run to the cops and be like, "They're smoking weed. Get him out of here." I don't know. <laughs> That is, it is hilarious of, like, so Justin has Final Empire Ellen as Dream Rotation. Sam, it sounds like you have Hero of Ages Ellen as Nightmare Rotation. And yeah. I am right in the middle of, if I was going to spend time with any Ellen, it would be Well of Ascension Ellen. But he's not really Dream or Nightmare for me. It'd just be like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. The complete spectrum of human emotions. <laughs> he, he just, he, he, he falls down the the slope you know top of the hill final empire and then just degrades in quality oh ellen and then he got beheaded by marsh ha <laughs> that sure did happen and then marsh just something something uh, no, what the hell happened to marsh i don't know when you sound crazy for asking that that's oh wild God. I don't even want to look at the copper mine because I, I don't know if he comes back or not. But I feel like if Sazed was doing anything, he'd be like, "All right, abominations are gone. Like we're we're done with abominations." He restores humans to like being human. So I feel like the whole abomination nexus of hemalurgy would probably go the way of the dodo. But I don't know. We'll see. I guess we'll see in 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 six months when we're moving on to the next Mistborn. Or we won't see. We'll get like two books into Era 2. It's like they they really have not mentioned anything about the aftermath of Hero of Ages yet. So a brief tangent before we get to, um, uh, I guess I would have my important matters. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. The, 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 the big questions. Um, it will be interesting when we get back to, um, when we get back to schedule, I have, I mentioned, the way that the Mistborn eras have worked and the way that Brandon has written them. I think you briefly described like what eras of technology they are meant to. Yeah. So the, the original plan uh, was for there to be a trilogy of trilogies um, where there would be one that was medieval fantasy. uh, One that was kind of, um, near past modern day um and then one that was science fiction in the future uh and you'll notice that that does not line up with some of the things we've been mentioning about era two uh and for a while 
uh, and and I was more stubborn than even Brandon on this for a while. Uh, the the Wax and Wayne series was referred to as Era One Point Five uh, because it kind of accidentally got added in when Brandon wrote more books, which is a thing that has happened more than once. And and now at this point, Brandon has said it is a it is a full fledged kind of era of of Mistborn. Uh, but Alloy of Law, the first book in in that group, is noticeably lower stakes than a lot of the stuff around it because it was written as kind of a one-off where Brandon was just feeling things out and seeing where it went. Uh, and so your question of, you know, maybe we never even hear about some of this stuff again. Uh, Alloy of Law it kind of does just let a lot of things go because it's more there to tell a fun story in a short, a shorter book. Uh, but then we do circle back around to to those things, and I I think you will be excited to see what we do check back in on in at the future of of schedule. I am excited. You're correct. Anyway, stop stalling, Justin. Right. Yes. The the important things. Um, <laughs> I also have a a small rotation for the 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 problematic one. Uh, I only picked three this time. Uh, I mentioned I had Kel on both lists. I think we we mentioned some of the reasons why he might be a uh, a downside as well in that he he might go a little a little overboard. Uh, I I did also double check on putting him and Ellen in the same room to make sure that like is Kelsier just going to stab him? Um, but yeah, so so Kel could could be an issue. Um, I put uh, Vin on there. I was wondering if we were going to put Vin anywhere, if either of us, any of us. Yeah, I, I do not think that her paranoia would be well suited for getting high. Yeah, that's yeah. why I didn't put her. Um, and then the last one, I was I was going back and forth on this, but because I actually um, decided on it just earlier in this conversation when he was mentioned... Uh, but I'm going to put Hoyt on there for just causing too many problems. <laughs> Hoyt makes me nervous. Yeah, we'll we'll get to him. Made Vin nervous too. Yeah, back in Fadrick's. Yeah, she was going to go uh, check in with him, and then decided that might not be a good idea. Getting bad vibes. All right. Well, we can head to me. Um, yeah. First off is um, Strap Venture, as established. Um, he, he is addicted to many substances. There's a chance that um, having a joint would not even affect him very much. And thus, I just have to deal with standard strap venture. Um, <laughs> Which is already just a problem. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, as a follow-up, you know, as Sam said, it doesn't need much explanation. But also, having to be in the same room as him and Straff, I have Zane as my number two. That dynamic would not be fun. Um uh number three i also have spook but it's interesting uh sam your worries were more on the terms of he'll do something crazy um and then um uh like that was your main thing i actually think spook is fairly likely to wig out and i think spook that the one thing he has in common over all three books is i think that's kind of true no matter which spook you choose um i think he would he would take that joint and, and start i don't think he would take it very well i'm i am concerned that he would start being you know harsh in the vibe just by i don't know what he's unpredictable i don't know i just feel like he's he wouldn't he, it would not be super fun um 
Uh, also on my list is uh, Yeden. He just doesn't seem like he'd be much fun. It's just uh, he seems like he could be a narc, honestly. I don't know. Um, just seems like a, a grump. Despite being yeah. a a literal rebel, I kind of also agree. <laughs> um, and then last on my list, I said the reason Breeze is not in my um uh dream rotation is because I think he would um really get out of hand. He'd be too much of a motor mouth, but. With Ham, he would still be kind of fun. So I don't want to put him in my nightmare rotation. In terms of who's going to get that blunt and just not shut up about things no one cares about, last on my list is none other than Quan. Oh, yeah, Quan. no, I think you might be right there. <laughs> Could God. not fucking stand that. I, I really would not handle that well. Oh, Quan. You know what I'm going to uh, I'm going to miss when we get to Elantris is uh, epigraphs. We're not going to be able to figure those out. No, we don't get uh, anything like that. Not not in Elantris. We will have a return to trying to puzzle that out. I don't know if there's no. There definitely are going to be some that are just as infuriating as Quan, though, in a slightly different way. <laughs> All right. So the the twist of the Hero of Ages epigraph just hitting this very basic point the twist of it was that it was Sazed, right yes okay um i will say i think it was from the first i think that i was like yep Sazed." yeah I, you were uh, you, both of you were on top of that i i'm sorry to get into a debate about this in the first episode i i figured it out because i went through all the quan prophecies and at the time, Sam, he was not on your radar at all. And it wasn't until the next episode that you went, oh, yeah, it's so obviously says it. It's going to be boring if that's the answer. And I don't know if you're giving me enough credit for how much work I put into figuring out the says it thing. I really think I uh, on average, I, I don't think the average reader, not to say you're the average reader. That's not what I'm, I'm not drawing an equivalence there. Um, but um I, I understand I, you did a lot of a lot of legwork to get to that conclusion. I, I think I put him on your radar. You definitely started picking up on things once he was there. I'm not trying to discredit that, um, but I am I am curious how long it would have taken either of us to figure it out if I had not uh, put in the legwork in that first episode because I I did put a lot of work into that. This is a a long philosophy question for me though. Is it, 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 we've already established that without the the impetus of the podcast i probably wouldn't have at least not for a little while started reading these books solo um i'm just like i feel like i would have picked up on the earring thing probably a a couple episodes before the reveal in the book Mm -hmm. i feel like i i picked up on like seiza had organic clues in the epigraphs like pretty early on that i would have picked up on like if this is a character that we know who would not want to be it says it <laughs> he just he wouldn't want to be it i am unfortunately the hero of ages maybe ellen but then it kind of goes on to like name ellen by name yeah it gets to the point where if you're paying attention to who's named your your two suspects are vin and says it but uh, about halfway through the book if you're like really keeping track of that i do think it's it your your suspect yeah. list is narrowed down by that point, yeah. 
But Vin would have already started coming to terms with the idea of having to be the hero of ages. I think Vin had a little bit of reluctance, uh, but it was more of a um, a worry about about capabilities of how will I know to do the right thing, that sort of thing, not it shouldn't be me at all. Well, and also by the time the Hero of Ages book starts, I think Vin's viewpoint on it is, yeah, the prophecy was all bullshit. I got tricked into doing that. I like that that none of that was true, and the fact that they're still worshiping me is kind of stupid. Um, so yeah, I really don't know if she's she's prepping herself for that for most of of that book specifically. Um, that does remind me. You know, when I, again, going through all of the Quan legwork um, and reviewing um, what fits with the prophecy and what doesn't, by the end of the book, it's clear first generation is like the most definitive way of knowing what the Hero of Ages prophecy was. But I was under the assumption that Quan's iteration of the prophecy was pretty accurate. And I think part of my surprise at how quickly and how close to the end the Sazed Twist happened is... We get the moment of he bears the future of the world on his arms. But aside from that, we never really go back and be like, oh, yeah, Sazed is the perfect fit for this. It's really just like they, they know one or two things and go, oh, yeah, I guess it's Sazed. And I don't know. I'm curious if if we were meant to go back and, and look at all those and go, oh, yeah, he fits perfectly. Or if, you know, I brought up some things Quan said that I was like, that doesn't really describe Sazed. And, you know, maybe that was Ruin influencing those parts of the prophecy as well. But I'm I, essentially, I guess I'm, this is a question for Justin. I'm curious if Brandon has gone back and been like, see, he fits all the clues perfectly or anything like that. From my experience, I think that's something that is meant uh, to hit you on a reread. Um, mm. and because Beth and I have talked about the the distinct pacing difference uh, on this podcast versus a, a first time unrestricted read where um, Sazed being the hero was not something that was on my radar until very late in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's one of those things where every time I reread, you do get to see uh, how well he fits. You get to see, you know, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the book, how much I like the hero of ages epigraphs because you do, get to interpret them in Sazed's voice. Um, and so I, I think that some of the the original hero prophecy um, is one of those things that's meant to um, to be for the rereader. Hmm. All right. Did I... I'm just checking my notes from Hero of Ages, which is at 27,976 words. So I had a lot of... Uh writing that is a, a good old novella there good novella um i put a dollar chip on the lord ruler wasn't rashik but rather whoever's writing the epigraphs now okay so that was my dollar chip i didn't put like i didn't think about it a lot is i think the thing i don't know i just cruise Fadric said is not of the atium ah was right i wasn't right about the gunpowder the fact that gunpowder was mentioned by Sazed is wild because wait yeah so like the he becomes he writes the books that start with I unfortunately the hero of ages and gives them to Spook right away so mm-hmm. Sazed was aware of gunpowder 
at the point that he became the hero of ages. So where's the gunpowder at? Uh, I believe th- the thing about uh, Sazed, like the the time that Sazed reformed the whole world on a human timescale took barely moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that amount of power kind of expands your personal sense of time. So him looking through all of the memories of his copper mines, remaking the world, uh, settling into his uh, his role as as the the god of of this planet, um, doing the things that he mentions in the note to Spook, uh, and then leaving the the books that could have taken from Sazed's perspective hours. Uh, and it includes then all of the the knowledge that he has as this kind of omnipotent being. I understand, but I suppose my main question is, and I believe I brought this up when it first got mentioned, it's not called black powder like it is in Critical Role or explosive powder. It is called gunpowder, and semantics-wise, that implies that a gun already exists. That is an object that Sazed knows about, and that's just very interesting to me. Especially in a book that is fundamentally about war and conflict and armed conflict between humans and Kolos and whatever. And, oh, gunpowder exists. Pretty early on, I'm going to bring this up and it'll never pay off at all. I imagine it will pay off in Era 2, but it's still interesting to me oh, yeah. that the, the word gunpowder exists and says its mind already. I mean, we do know that, like, I, I think Wax and Wayne have gun. I mean, it, already... they're they're pretty clear on the cover, so that that won't be a secret for very long. There there is gunplay. I have precast Wax and Wayne, by the way. Okay, As Justin already knows. I think I mentioned this a while ago. Uh, Wax, JJ Bittenbinder, Wayne, Sanford Strong. I don't think Sanford Strong will come up when you Google him, but he wrote he made a uh uh a film called Strong Against Crime. Let me show you an image of this gentleman. But they both uh, were famous for crime uh, videos in the 90s. So that's Sanford Strong. That's my Wayne. And J.J. Bittenbinder is this gentleman. That's my, my wax. That is a mustache. That's not a mustache. That's a mustache. It's yeah. it is a thing of legend. Chicago cop, you know, seen the worst of of everything. He has a Twitter. Is this real? <laughs> I just Oh, he I mean, well he passed away, so he I was going to say know. he he passed away only about a month ago. Yeah. May 26th, but the the last tweet he made, which I don't is this it just strikes me as not real because the last tweet he made says the word curtains is really weird. <laughs> I, I will say John Mulaney has a very famous bit about JJ Bittenbinder. So the idea of someone hearing that and choosing to make a parody account of him, that's very much in the realm of possibility. Does appear to be a parody account. I knew him from Mr. Show. Let me just check this account to see if there's any indica- indicator of whether or not it's real. Oh, wait. Yeah. Thanks. 
Um, but in Mr. Show, they had a person named F.F. Woody Cooks, which you can immediately see the resemblance. That's F.F. Woody Cooks. Uh, also a detective. Except he got beaten up. He, shaked, he shook the crime stick to, to ward off crime. Uh, anyway, this is pointless. Um, JJ Bittenbinder. for our listeners, I, I bet. You can Google them yourself. Yeah. Wonderful people. I can't wait to see the dynamic whenever we read Wax and Wayne, which I don't know if we're ready to talk about how progression will work beyond Elantris. Because right now we're focused on Elantris. Am I? That reminds me. There was discussion of like a secret other book that takes place at the same time as other books. Correct. Are we allowed to know any more information about that, or should that still be a secret as to what the hell you mean by that? Um. So yeah, Mistborn Secret History uh, is a uh, novella that takes place mostly during the uh, the Era One trilogy that is some things that are happening behind the scenes and the it was it was published as an ebook at first which meant that Brandon could just kind of publish it whenever he hit the button uh because its existence was revealed in the postscript of one of the era 2 books where there's a big major twist at the end and then you read the postscript and Brandon says, by the way, here's this other book. You should read it and see some of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes. Interesting. And it is a it is an item of fierce debate uh, because it can, Brandon acknowledges, it can be read right now. We can, we can see with Arrow 1 fresh on our mind, we can go back and see some of the other things that have, have happened. And there still is a, a a good twist reveal later on because you don't know when some of the things in secret history are going to suddenly become relevant. Uh, but I think that the as published experience was a lot of fun for me personally. And so I want you two to be able to experience that as well, uh, which is, is part of the reason, um, like that's I think the, the main reason why I'm not just publishing the entire reading schedule that I have mapped out. I'm only doing it a couple books ahead uh, is I want to, uh, to have for, for you two to have the same experience of this is what Brandon wrote next. And this is what we get to experience next. Yeah. That makes sense to me. So yeah, we will be reading it after the era two book that it was announced in. All right. Well, yeah, I think that, uh, We'll do it pretty well for our uh, our Hero of Ages interlude episode, uh, at least the first one. We'll see how many of these we end up making. Uh, I am I am glad that we got the the chance to expand a little more on the the trilogy as a whole. Yeah, and I think I in this episode in particular, I think I did that thing a little bit, you know, talking about Ellen of harping on the negatives. Definitely worth saying one last time. I fucking love this trilogy. This is a fantastic group of books right here. Yeah, I, I think the the existence of an episode like this is kind of an invitation to nitpick. And that doesn't necessarily have any bearing on what uh, what we thought overall. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, uh, 
as uh, as usual, you can find our episodes at alwaysanotherpodcast.com, uh, as well as emailing us at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. That's how we got some of the uh, the questions that we discussed today, so that's very much appreciated. Keep them coming. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you can also check in on our social media. That's Twitter at alwaysanotherpod and Instagram at alwaysanotherpod. Uh, we'll be keeping those up to date as well. Uh, and letting you know there when we will be resuming our regular reading episodes. Can I just say, Caleb's latest post on Instagram, the, the well, I don't know if it's the latest now, but the video with the audio of me r- r- doing the, the Ellen Atium, it's amazing. Check it out. Definitely not the latest one at this point, but I appreciate the shout out. Uh, yeah, as for those who, you know, the captions don't give a ton of context. Um, Sam often serenades us with uh, recordings of audio of him chatting about theories, often in character as the characters of the series. And he had one hell of a finale and I, I it needed a visual accompaniment. So I helped out with that. And uh, yeah, that's on the Instagram. And I think we're both pretty proud of it. Ooh, and that's a question I can address. Um, the reason why I do those recordings, number one, it's fun. Number two, to, it's to check my levels and to check that I'm not, uh, that my mic is positioned properly because I have a headset mic. I think I'm the only one in the group that has that. And if it's positioned too high, then I go on the mic the whole time. So uh, I don't think you heard that because I adjusted it. <laughs> after doing a, a, a fun recording, which I didn't save. There you go. It's practical and entertaining. Practical and entertaining. Just, just like, like uh, our podcast. Good night, everybody. Completely <laughs> unlike right. anything else I say on this podcast. Beth, what's your thoughts? Shit! Oh, I guess she really has no thoughts on Ellen. Just, just no feelings at all. But-